1: I'm Caitlin Rodnick. I'm Sue Smith. And we and love, we love scams. scams. Guys, we love scams. We love you. Turns out we love talking about cults. <laughs>
2: uh, we can't get enough of them. We can't get
1: enough of them. I keep thinking, like, is this a scam or is this a culty, creepy, religious thing?
2: But, guys, Scamwell's going to cover it all. The more we talk about cults, the more I realize that I've been in many. Oh, the more we talk about cults, the more I realize
1: I am like their target member. Like I am so good. anywhere, Any place that's like, you want more friends? I'm like, sign me up. Here's looking you want- at you, Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> like, do you want to have a theater degree and stand in weird positions for hours? Come to Syracuse University and oh. join our cult.
2: And I'm even scared to talk about the to name the Upright Citizens Brigade now, even though they barely exist anymore. Everybody, (laughs) I will name them all. Uh, Core
1: class. Why did we have a core class as freshmen and made us like hold our arms at bizarre lengths and breathe? Fuck
2: all You know what? Um, But you got to give yourself some credit because I'm so jealous of people with theater degrees because I'm always like you must really believe in yourself (laughs) no no yeah I'm always like oh you have real training like I don't have all I have is fucking improv. that's fine yeah I
1: have uh I have real training enough that I went out of that graduated saying I will never do Shakespeare again I'm too (laughs) dyslexic and
2: this is torture (laughs) oh I'm sure I'm
1: just not the Shakespearean type if you haven't noticed and they're like we're gonna push you so we're gonna have you play old Shakespearean men
0: Oh,
1: uh, ew. Theater monologues. Oh yeah. Always always cast as like an old man whose daughter was
2: dying. Honestly, fuck Shakespeare. I hate to say it, <laughs> honestly, but it's
1: Shakespeare. You know what I mean? Honestly, he's fine. And if you're the Shakespeare type, like live and thrive and live that sure, way. Sure, 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 I,
2: Katie Brodnick, with my high-pitched voice, will never be a Shakespeare type. Never. With my dyslexia? No, thank you. No. Though I must say I was in a Midsummer Night's Dream and I did. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> if you want to hear an insane episode, Lydia Hensler and I talk on our
1: Patreon about how I was in a Midsummer Night's Dream as a fairy Aww. and the position I chose on stage and w- literally was the most ridiculous part I've ever played. And guys, our Patreon's like, what, a dollar? And you get all of our episodes? Like, it's just really fun. And we use as an excuse yeah. to talk about.
3: Oh, fuck. yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I <should make> a schmick <laughs> a schmack. Who knows? Who knows? Nice. Um, yeah. Quick download, and then you can cancel. Uh, no, I just love that, because our Patreon, we tell a little bit more details.
2: Anyway, um how have you been? How's your week? I haven't talked to you in forever. Oh my
1: god, I have not talked to forever. Yeah, so I was home for Passover. It was amazing. It was the first time I saw my family all together since mm. COVID. They're all vaccinated except my sister and Alan, but they had both like quarantined and spent time away. And um god, it was amazing. And the whole time I was just so happy and I it was that moment where you're just like looking at life from really far away going this is incredible. I can't mm. believe like this is my life right now so nothing really funny just very sweet (laughs) that's so (laughs) sweet but my sister did finally listen to an episode she listened to the butter (gasps) painting episode and she bought herself a painting
2: great great she finally listened better than my family how are you miss (laughs) i went to a yoga class yesterday Mm -hmm. it was my first time exercising in a year amazing and it was so strange zoom yoga no, it was an in-person ah, outdoor yoga class. Wow. Yeah, with masks. It was lovely and weird and um, nice to be in my body again and feel like my body was mine. So it was great. That's incredible. And I'm very sore
1: today. Of course. It, are you sore where like you can't sit on the toilet? I probably will be tomorrow. That's my barometer. I'm like, if
2: I can't sit to pee, that means I had a really great workout. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, if I can sit to pee, I didn't work hard enough. Yeah, honestly, no. No.
1: And guys, that's one of the horrible themes running through today's episode. Um, Just (laughs) intense exercise. This is a triggering, upsetting episode. This is an episode of cults and bullying i would
2: say listen we try to make it fun but i got only a couple of jokes in i yeah, try my best you know
1: we can't really spice up a saddest time in someone's life and so i'm saying <laughs> mom and dad on your trip it's not a great time no <laughs> no and we love her for that because she's so honest so mom and dad on your trip to uh santa fe for
2: this summer this isn't the episode to listen to no mm-mm. mr and mrs Brodnick, mm-mm. maggie this and is al the one for don't you. do it
1: other ones but if you are interested in cults and how they can brainwash you and take a chunk of your life away this
2: is perfect great yeah it's great this is for you and we have a special guest it's a listener who emailed us she's she was the victim of so many scams we had to talk to her
1: obviously a a wonderful generous kind listener and you've heard her a bunch on our mailbag episodes yeah she shared plenty with us
2: yeah so we really hope that you enjoy this episode okay guys please welcome welcome Sabra, Sabra boy, Hi. Sabra, Sabra. thanks for to being
1: here. here. Oh my gosh, we're so excited. And guys, you know Sabra because she calls in or emails us in for our mailbag episode and she's got all the hot goss on all the scams. And,
2: and Sabra, what's great about Sabra is that she is particularly susceptible to, to scams. <laughs> she's so like a scam magnet. She's self-present. She so thank God
1: because so are we. We so are so
2: And you know what, it's not great for her, but it's great for us. So thank you, Sabra.
0: Yeah, no, I'm so happy to be here. Um, My husband and I are such huge fans. And we listen to the show on road trips. And yeah, I I love you you guys. Oh, well, we love
1: you. And you've given us a lot of information before and given like guys, as we always say, please do our homework for us. And she did it all. She has emailed us amazing links and articles.
2: And we were like, we yeah. got to have this girl on. We got to. Yeah. So
1: Safra, why don't you start us off and sort of give us the intro into what probably the cult that's, you know, you feel has the most space in your life
0: at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, and also you mentioned that I'm kind of a magnet for scams, and I I feel like part of that might, you know, be that I was Born to a father who's like a scam artist, um, so I feel like maybe that just like cast this shadow or something of scams Why over not? my sure. life. A soft spot for
2: scammers. Who doesn't? Okay. Wait, what kind of con artist are we talking?
0: Oh, like a bad, bad con artist—not like the friendly, funny kind. Like, um, like he stole my identity starting <gasps> when I was five. Like, my, and he also stole my younger siblings' identity. <gasps> oh no! And then when I was a teenager, I ended up having to like pay the IRS, um, my uh, back taxes for my dad because he had like registered me as the CEO of his business when I was in kindergarten. Oh, and so, no. and, and I I like faxed, well, this is kind of going off on a tangent a bit, but please, please. No, this is incredible. Yeah. So I like faxed um, copies of my ID and everything to the IRS. And they said, well, we don't care how old you are. Your signatures are on all of the <gasps> documents. So That's you owe normal. us like, I think it was like tens of thousands. And I, it was, I negotiated them down. And you know, at eighteen, I didn't know to call a lawyer, so right. yeah, so like I ended up just paying it off. And at the time, I was also like a homeless teenager. so anyway, oh that's like a whole thing. <laughs> oh no. Where are you at?
2: Like, did you talk to your dad about this? Did you say, "What the fuck? Did he die? No, I, I <laughs> hadn't talked
0: to him. I really hadn't I, I um yeah, I really hadn't interacted with him since I was like ten when my mom ran away with us, and mm. then my mom kicked me out for being, well, my, when my, yeah, my mom kicked me out for being gay when I was 14. So like oh my I was homeless for like about half of my childhood. So, um, oh my God. but so I, anyway, funny. I mentioned, I, Oh, no, It's I'm, I'm okay now. I'm 35 now. It's just I'm, incredible.
1: That's incredible. And we have to say, you're yeah. like, guys, you can't see us, but she's this gorgeous girl on our Zoom. She's so she lovely. Looks perfectly normal. We have so, we're obsessed with her. We all look perfectly normal. We're all insane. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I just, we just can't thank you enough. And also being so honest with your story. This is, it's a lot. We all share a lot here and we really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no, I am happy too. Cause, I mean, there's such a stigma of hate for homeless people mm-hmm. and like, they, they mm. really are people who have lives and, you know, with enough bad luck, it could happen to any one of us
1: fully, so. fully. If I hadn't met my husband, I would have been homeless numerous times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so many times. Yes. So you never confronted your dad about using, stealing your identity?
0: No, cause he, he's a pretty violent person. Mm. So it was more it, like my safety was a bigger concern. And sure. so yeah. so I, I You know, until before I was 18, I couldn't stay in a shelter because I would have been arrested as a runaway. So once I turned 18, that's when I was able to stay in like a youth shelter for teenagers. And that was when I, you know, first started receiving mail again. And mm. I remember one of the social workers was like, Oh, I have a letter for you. And I got really excited, like, who could possibly be sending me mail at the homeless shelter? Yay. And then it was an IRS letter (laughs) telling me that I owed them thousands of back taxes. Oh. Yeah, but my friends tell me, um, they're like, well, you should really put down that you were Richie Rich and like a five-year-old kindergartner CEO on your resume. Yes,
2: (laughs) put that on your LinkedIn. Yeah.
0: Yes.
2: (laughs) Wow. Oh my God. And your dad hasn't had to pay for
0: any of this. No, I mean, he's he's a career criminal. Um, Yeah, I mean, he has a history of being like an informant. Like he gets arrested. Like I've, you know, looked at his recent like arrest record Um, and he's, Mm -hmm. he gets arrested, but the charges never like are always dropped. Wow. That's incredible. And that must be very frustrating also
1: as the daughter and victim of his scams to be like, wait a minute.
0: Oh yeah. It's, um, I'm very much a, you know, a proponent of defunding the police because like, Mm -hmm. they just don't, like they've never protected me from him in the past and they don't Mm -hmm. seem to like our legal system does not protect people. It's, it's yeah. really like not victim centered, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but this just makes me want to get him.
2: I want yeah, to tell everybody too. to get him.
0: <laughs> Everyone so listening. Say, let's all bring
2: out, bring out your notepad. You can say his name and, <laughs> and where he lives if you want. And then people can go get
0: him. If you want. Like I said, I'm 35. So I've like, you know, let go of a lot of this stuff and just sure. tried to move on with my life and just mm-hmm. like focused on my own safety and like, living my own life. And really the only reason that I had to look up his arrest record again recently was because he's still harming other people. Um and so at the at the risk of sounding like some self-righteous vigilante, like, you know, it 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 is really different if he's still hurting people. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, any and really like I I joke that my dad is kind of like the whitey bulger of exploitation and scams because he Mm -hmm. like if there's a crime to commit or a way to exploit someone, like he's done it.
2: Mm. Do you want people to get him or not?
0: can we get um him? I'm, wor- I'm working on it I'm not going to tell anyone else what to do okay, <laughs> I'm not going to say okay. that because I don't want to get in trouble you you think about it and
2: if you change your mind we'll put it in the show notes okay we will do that for you
0: the Scamwell army
2: <laughs> yes
1: we have tough amazing listeners that will fight for anything and we love them
2: and they will get him
1: Amazing. Well, Sabra, we're Thank really, yeah. we're really lucky that we have you <laughs> as our
2: guest yeah. today.
1: And we just want to hear more about your experience. And also, I love how open you are about all of this that you've gone through, because that's sort of Sue and I's sort of our bread and butter. Like our number one thing is let's just share it all. Let's just put it all out there because you're only going to be better and help other people and prevent them from getting in these situations than if you share at all. So then maybe we can help another woman or another man who's another young person who could be easily mm-hmm. susceptible to sort of these things.
0: I totally agree. Um, I mean, and it's, I have to recognize that it's a huge privilege that I can, you know, share my story and these just really, just totally weird things that have happened in my life mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm in, I'm a freelancer now. And so I don't have to worry about, you know, employment prospects and like, my coworkers like just being really freaked out about my public whatever Mm -hmm. you know I'm in a really privileged position to be able to share this stuff and not everybody can.
2: So when you are in the homeless shelter how did you pull yourself up and out and like into an apartment like you are housed now and you're writing for like prestigious publications like it's amazing how did you Mm -hmm. get to where you are?
0: So I was I was 18 when I um, was in Portland and I yeah and actually I was about to like hop on a train, um, like a hobo. I was about to hop on a train with some other people. And um, I was waiting for them in this, uh, this park that's well known in Portland called Paranoia Park. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's called Paranoia Park, because it's right across the street from a police precinct downtown. And so everybody there who hangs out is, I guess, paranoid and then some volunteers from this really, really awesome organization called Yellow Brick Road. Mm-hmm. They found me and they were like, hey, do you, do you need any first aid or condoms? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just sitting there and these, these three people or two, two or three people, I can't remember, um, came up and like offered me condoms and first aid. And I was like, no, I'm good. Thanks. Um, and then that, that's how they like start the conversation to be like, amazing. hey, do, do you have anything else that you need? Like, and then they were able to like kind of help push me up the wait list to get into the shelter. Wow. And and then later on, I ended up working with them and volunteering and doing the same thing. And they're just so awesome. We're
1: going to link them in our show notes, but that's sort of amazing that I'm assuming also it was people that understood your position or people that had been in your position. I, I feel that way with like when I speak with other alcoholics or something or Somebody that I know, I'm like, oh, I can see the signs a million miles away, and I can connect really easily with an alcoholic. I'm sort of assuming because you said you worked with them also that they can help people in that way too because they understand.
0: Yeah, um, and I know a lot of people who ended up working with them later after you know they were like stably housed and mm-hmm. um, and all of that. So I I totally agree. You can you can see people who have survived certain or are going through certain things that you've also gone through. It's just kind of this antenna that i think you grow <laughs> yeah so how long were you in the shelter for for about i want to say a, a year and a half because i moved into my first apartment when i was 19 and i also have to give a shout out to pear um p-e-a-r like the fruit mm-hmm. um and their website is pearmentor.org they they really helped me a lot too they're an art program for homeless youth in portland and they um it's kind of cliche to say that art saves lives, but they literally saved my life. Like, yeah. Yeah. If it works, it works. It's not cliche. If it it helps you, it helps
2: you. Um, so when did you encounter your first cult?
0: (laughs) Um, okay. Well, I, I grew up, uh, with my mom being extremely religious, extremely Mm -hmm. Lutheran. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up Lutheran too. Oh, yay. <laughs> Kindred spirits. I, I believe that there needs to be more ex-Lutheran or or Lutheran comedians because <laughs> like Garrison Keillor sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> This is very
2: specific, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh my God, our God is an awesome God. I
0: get it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I grew up Lutheran. So I guess it, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Christianity. So there's that. Before my mom kicked me out when I was like 13, She'd been invited to Thanksgiving at a friend's house. And um, she brought me and my two siblings along with her. And it and she didn't, she told me on the way we, we were driving there um, to spend to have Thanksgiving dinner with them. And she said, So I just need to let you know that um, Diana's family is a little bit not traditional. And I was like, what does that even mean? And she's like, mm-hmm. just not like us. I was like, okay, we got there and it turned out that they were polygamists. <gasps> So Rod, Diana's husband, used to be, like, one of Warren Jeff's, like, (gasps) right-hand men. So we're talking, so we're talking
2: braid polygamous, not sister-wives polygamous.
0: No, like, uh, like sister-wives.
2: But, like, very backward, like, wearing the dresses with the French braids.
0: They had like they had like left Warren Jeffs, and so the three moms, the three sister wives, they dressed in like modern clothes, and like Diana wore jeans and stuff. So they weren't they didn't dress that way, okay. but like it, well, only only like the the first wife really dressed that way, and she had like you know the the nineties bangs and mm-hmm. the the kind of like I don't know like sister wives blue font I'm not uh-huh. sure. I know I exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't want to offend anyone, but you know what I mean. And oh, we um, know. absolutely. Yeah, and so uh, there were three sister wives, and they lived in this house that had three stories, and each of the wives had their own floor of the house. Wow. Um, and they had like they had like run away from Warren Jeffs because the husband and Warren Jeffs had had some sort of disagreement over like the state of the church or something, Oof. and so the family had like run away basically to Washington, to Washington State, and I I was so confused because I was like, okay, like I'm I'm gonna be you know accepting on. I mean, if this is what makes them happy and as long as they're good parents, like, what do Aww. I care? But and my mom likes them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I, I, I'm just hungry like for dinner. Where's the turkey, um, guys? Which floor is
1: the turkey on?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right, but um, but I was so confused because I was like, well, where does where does the husband keep his clothing? Like, does he have a sock drawer on every floor? Like, and what does he do when he wants some alone time? I I never got an answer to that question. mm, My mom mm. was like, don't don't offend them. They've invited us to dinner. Be friendly. Like, don't be rude and ask about his socks. Oh my gosh! But you gotta
2: know. You gotta know. I watched the hit TLC show Sister Wives. I was just watching it before here (laughs) and I always wonder that I'm like where is his like home base does he have like multiple
1: deodorants like what's floating around
0: I know I never I never got that answered um but they did have between the three of them they had they had 12 children and so with me and my younger brother and sister we had enough people to play football with equal teams so that was kind of (laughs) awesome
1: sometimes as a kid, I remember sensing it being like, that was a weird family. <laughs> like I even remember as like a little kid having like my spidey sense go up and go like, I'm uncomfortable here. Did you have any of those feelings? Did anything strike um, you as weird or was it mainly the socks?
0: Oh, no. Yeah. I did not like the husband. He was really overbearing. Mm. Um, I mean, he didn't do anything like overtly abusive or anything, but, um, he did, he was really, really controlling. Mm. And then I found out later that, that Diana had to like, basically run away from him. So they had like a really messy, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to divorce someone when you're in a monogamous marriage, yeah. less a polygamous marriage. So um, mm. where you're not even legally married. So it was like, I think it was really complicated for her to divorce him and like get custody of her kids and stuff. So that sounds yeah. Really complicated. How old were you then? I was 13. So that was okay. like right before my mom kicked me out for being gay. Um, even though I'm I'm bi, but my, my brother like ran in the house and told her that I was gay mm. and she was freaked out and like told me that she, well, her exact words were, I don't want you or your bad influence in my house or around my children. And mm. at the time I like really helped, um, take care of my younger brother and sisters. So, mm. you know, it was, she was kind of doing me a favor because she was a really awful mom and you got free of that in a way. Yeah. But I was still really worried about my younger siblings. Mm.
1: Do you, are you friends with them now? Do you, are you close with them at all? Um, I've tried to, but it's,
0: yeah, it's complicated. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you talk to your mom now or no? Did you ever reconcile?
0: No, I, I did try to reconcile. Well, I tried to reconcile with her a couple of times, um, like in my 20s. Um, and then again, when I was like 30 and it went well for like the first, the first month. And then suddenly the honeymoon would be over and she would, like the last time I talked to her, um, I I think I was 30 and she asked me how I was doing. And, you know, I kind of, I told her that I'd just gotten accepted to grad school mm-hmm. um, to this really prestigious program for computer science. And um, she said that I should pay for her to go to college and oh, that it was geez. selfish of me to go to college. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to be going into more student loan debt. Like, I don't think I can transfer my my student yeah. loans to you. I don't know how you're, you're suggesting I should do that. Mm-hmm. Right,
1: so you're just realizing like this is a conversation that is just making clear to you where you're like, well, I made a really healthy choice in my life, and I'm in a much better space than being with her.
2: This is yes, yeah. sort of not relevant, but it's sort of relevant. Um, my I had a similar situation with my dad. My parents were divorced the whole time since I was eight until I was like sixteen. He was like, you have to choose a parent. You have to choose a parent to live with. And I was like, finally, when I was like. 15 or 16 I was like dad I'm not gonna do that it's not fair for you to ask that Mm -hmm. of me because I'm a kid and he was like well then you just chose and my uncle came over and I took all my stuff out of the house and I basically never saw him again and I felt guilty like I felt like it was my fault you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah oh it's not the same as you but I get that of like bizarre pressure yeah, your parents like like the love is not unconditional. It is conditional.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Sue, like and, uh, there are unfortunately so many parents that are like that that like put their kids in that position and it's not okay. And like just because just because they're your relatives or your parents, it doesn't mean that you should continue subjecting yourself to their abuse. Mm. It's it's so not okay in our society to like say I can't have a relationship with my mom. Like, I I don't wish her any ill will. Like, I certainly hope she has a good life and finds happiness and whatever, but I can't be her punching bag.
2: Good for you. I think that takes a lot of
0: strength. You're pretty tough girl. (laughs) Did you guys ever reconcile, Sue?
2: Um, I tried. I would, like, call him and have awkward conversations every couple of months, and then he died and I felt guilty. (laughs) Uh, But now... That's okay. I mean... Now I'm fine with it. Like, I feel like whatever. Like, I felt guilty that I wasn't there. Like, just this huge weight of guilt. And it that's what made me do a lot of drugs and eventually bottom out and get sober. So if that, if he wouldn't have died then, and I would probably still be drinking. That's why I didn't no. have kids for a long time. Because I was really afraid that I was just going to repeat history and be exactly the same. But.
0: I, I resonate with that so much because that's the reason that I don't have kids yet. Like I want to. Um, but yeah, and I think like, I think that's something that, you know, that is different about like generations after the boomers like Gen X um millennials and gen z like we're all more okay with airing our dirty laundry and we're all more okay yeah. with like and, and just being conscious of of trying not to repeat those mistakes and like i i once had like this really nice gynecologist and um he somehow like he was a male gynecologist and he was actually like a really great guy and um <laughs> i i remember having this yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I remember having this conversation with him and his um, physician's assistant or his, no, she was his nurse actually. And I was like, I, I'm so afraid of repeating my parents' mistakes. And they both told me they were like, the patients who are conscious of that going into parenthood are the ones that you don't need to worry about. It's mm-hmm. the ones that that like, don't really think about this stuff. Um, the ones that don't, that aren't neurotic about it. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there, so there was the, the Mormon polygamist family. And also I should like clarify, cause I know, I know Mormons and, and ex-Mormons who are like Latter-day Saints Mormons. And I just want to like, make sure that there, that that's clarified. I'm not saying that all Mormons are polygamists. Like, no, it's just the orange. No, but we've also talked about Mormons.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we have wonderful listeners who've explained to us things. So we've, it's not all Mormons. We know. It's not all Mormons. We adore good Mormons. We detest
0: the bad ones. That's it. Right. (laughs) Um, So there was that. And then I'm trying to think what the next cult was. Um, Well, there was, there was one, I had this one coworker, like when I was still living in the shelter and I was working, um, I had one coworker who like begged me to go to her church with her. And I really didn't want to go, but she just kept asking me every single day. Mm. So I finally was like, well, maybe if I go with her this one time, she'll stop asking. And I can just say it wasn't for me. Um, So I went to church with her and it ended up being, it was in Portland and it ended up being this like doomsday prepper cult that met in the basement of a Catholic church. I don't know if they just like rented out the basement of this church, but there was like a Spanish language Catholic service going on upstairs and they were like singing like these you know beautiful hymns and stuff and and then downstairs I I could hear them upstairs and I was like I really want to go up there because the music sounds really nice (laughs) but I was like in this basement for I I kid you not it was over three hours Uh -uh. like listening to them talk about like how russia was going to like take over the us oh and was going to enslave us all so that because they really wanted our wheat and our cornfields in the midwest and i was just like oh my gosh when is this over because i didn't have a way to get home because it was like <laughs> so I, I like or back to the shelter oh my god, that's how they fucking
1: get you they're always like i'm gonna yes. ride to this one place <laughs> in the middle of
2: the desert the doomsday prepper's that's my doomsday is being trapped with three hours (laughs) with the doomsday
0: yeah I was so it was very scary and I just and then she kept asking me to come back again and I was like no absolutely not and I I think you should not go back either do you remember (laughs) the name of it No, I I tried to find it. And I even like tried coming through Reddit, and I couldn't find it. Um, Maybe it's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, sometimes I can't find it. It was a really small cult. It was like only maybe 15 people or something. So they weren't very popular, fortunately
1: good they were such bummers they're always doomsday prepping
2: they're just always <laughs> collecting like barrels of wheat or whatever <laughs> such a buzzkill they have no friends because they just have too many barrels of wheat so no. there's no space there's just too much wheat. no
1: but
0: my friend or my coworker worker um, who had invited me like she was also homeless at the time so I feel like I feel like there's like this through line of you know homeless teenagers especially are really susceptible to being lured in by cults because like i i mean i'm going to get to this later but um i think like i wouldn't have been so susceptible to being or so vulnerable to being lured if i wasn't like wanting some semblance of a family 100% and, yeah and i mean i i did get approached by like scientology people and stuff but i i knew that that was like not for me so mm-hmm. <laughs> fortunately i didn't do that um, but then I, I did have a, a girlfriend who invited me to um to a Nexium meeting. No. That yeah. It was Yes. Yeah, so I was dating this girl and um her whole family was involved and so she invited me to their ESP like their initial meeting and it was in the in the conference room of this hotel room in um in a suburb of Portland in Ugh,
1: Beaverton it's Always in a conference room in a hotel room. It's like you'd never walk into those guys. If you're ever invited to go, just walk into a different place. Just go into the no. hotel lobby, bar, something. Nothing good comes out of a hotel conference room.
2: Mm. Don't, don't go to a hotel.
0: Yeah, I agree. So we were in this conference room and um, and I, I watched the Vow documentary, but I actually only watched like half of it because it got so upsetting. Like, you know, they yeah. they have you like write down like your greatest fear and like your goals and stuff. And then you yeah it was like it was way too intense and also I I got really confused because most of the it's really like geared toward people like kind of corporate America you know Mm. and at the time I was like I think I was 20 when that happened or when I went there and so I was a college student I was not interested in like kind of the corporate aesthetic of Hmm. Nexium, and like I don't
2: want to wear like corporate casual like no I don't
0: have a silk blouse
1: to dry clean thank you
0: when they asked me, they were like, what's your, um, you know, what's the goal that you're going to accomplish when you leave here today? And I was like, I, I guess I want to join roller derby. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good for you. How did you realize it was a cult and not just a weird, like executive thing?
0: Well, in addition to like not wanting to be, not enjoying the corporate executive aesthetic of it, like I already was in a cult, so I was like, my dance, like, I'm my, cult, my dance card, my calm dance card is full. I'm Non-avail sorry, not I fail
1: during this time. My cult no, is filled.
0: No, oh, that's avail. incredible. Wait, so
1: <laughs>
3: that is incredible. <laughs> so that's hilarious. For you. you know what?
1: You know when you're in too many cults, okay? Yes. you're in one too many.
3: shopify.com slash realm
1: so at this time you're already in another cult um is that the one that you emailed us about
0: yeah. Okay. So I was going to the um, this college to try to enroll and like fill out my FAFSA application and all of that because I was like, I don't want to be homeless forever, and, and college yeah. is the ticket, right? Yeah. Somehow. So with also student loans. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. well, this was this was like 2004, 2005. So this was like before the recession. This oh. was like back when we still thought that we could pay off our student loans. What a glorious you know, time! You remember that day, that time? <laughs> yeah. We were so innocent. Yeah. So I, I was like going to pick up like registration paperwork and stuff and I walked past this um this like conference room at the college and they had like a sign on the door like um that said martial arts and yoga and you know um free for students and stuff. So I I went in there and they had just started and um and everyone was just looked so happy and I was like, I wanna be this happy, like how do where do you sign up for yeah. this? And then they, you know, they like introduced themselves and and they invited me to come to like their center that was downtown. And at the time, actually, like, at no point did I like tell them that I was homeless because I didn't look homeless. I I guess I should really emphasize that. Like, you know, I would like dumpster dive outside of like boutiques and like thrift stores and stuff. And, and I just remember like, everyone being so friendly and just seeming like this beautiful family Mm. and i really wanted a family but i didn't want to get pregnant you know so it was like how do i (laughs) how do i do this without getting
3: a baby out of it
0: and uh, the cult was called um don so they've gone by like different names um they're they're a martial arts cult that's um that was founded by a korean man named dr ilchi lee even though he's not a doctor he just calls himself that sure of course most cult leaders do Mm -hmm.
2: I think that happens a lot yeah
0: yeah and so the um so it's called Don Mudo or Don Hawk um spelled D as in David A H N as in Nancy I also want to like emphasize that it's not like a mainstream aspect of Korean culture in any way like most of the leaders and um and, and a lot and probably half of the students were Korean but um yeah, it's like a very like niche cult. Mm-hmm.
2: But you're thinking at the time that it's just like a club at the university, right?
1: Taekwondo right, yeah. yoga,
0: a place to hang. Yeah. Out. Exactly. And I had done I had done taekwondo in high school and um and like some other, you know, yoga and martial arts and um and tai chi and stuff like that. So a lot of the movements were really familiar to me. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is just, you know, it's kind of like a an amalgamation of you know, taekwondo and, and tai chi. And, um, and then we all wore, we all wore like white uniforms that, um, kind of look like a dobok uniform Mm -hmm. and what's that like a gi. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to that. And I feel like, especially with, um, you know, with us being quarantined during COVID and stuff, I think that, you know, that we're all more vulnerable to the lure of cults because with like enough isolation and uncertainty, because it was also it was also really nice to have someone telling me like this is what you should be thinking this is yeah. how you should feel um this is what your goals should be this is why you're unhappy um and having someone just like with with authority tell you like this is what's wrong this is what you need to do to fix it and just kind of like lay that out for you was Really a relief, you know, and it's
1: it's a parental comfort too. You're just mm-hmm. like, I mean, I even have mm-hmm. that. We go home to visit my parents for Passover, and I'm like, please tell me how to eat properly. Like, I'm just like, just tell me what to do. Put on my plate. Like, I, I think there comes to a time where you're just exhausted, and you just need someone else to sort of be in control or take the reins. And of course, if you're dealing with homelessness and you're dealing with being completely independent starting at fourteen. That's exactly what you would want. That's exactly what I would want. And I was and I had a home, but I really still at 14 to 18 was like tell me how to be better in every single way. I was I still to this day I'm like what TikTok video is going to tell me how to put the best snail cream on my face? Like it, it,
2: we all want to <laughs> improve and be better.
0: So, yeah. how
2: long were you a part of this call?
0: 2004 to 2010. Wow. So about 6 years. And what's culty
2: about them aside from I mean it sounds martial arts tell us a little about the cultiness
0: so for once so once I did have a job and was in school and everything then they started to demand that I pay for all these things yeah um and Mm -hmm. they also like like they told me to sign up for like all of these retreats and things like that and would basically like shame me well so when when I first when they first required me to start paying for classes um they one of the instructors told me that I had the the spine of a 60 year old woman and (laughs) you know looking back I'm like I don't know what that means but it doesn't sound good yeah it's probably not true (laughs) yeah at the time I was like I think I was like 19 um 18 or 19 and so I was like, wow, the spine of a sixty-year-old woman. I should really like do something about that. And um, and then they would just, you know, kind of like love bomb you. And it was just this constant like back and forth of like telling you like all these things that are wrong with you, like you know about your weight or your skin. Like they would tell me like, oh, your skin doesn't look good. Like you, you're really not trying hard enough. You need to like sweat out. You know, they use term just like what are now to me red flags but things like you need to sweat out the toxins you're not trying hard enough mm-hmm. and then when they'd kind of start to see that I was getting to my breaking point then they would like love bomb me and they'd say like oh you're so you're so great and you're you should really like become an instructor or you know they call them like subunim or masters there's this village voice article that's really good um it was published in 2006 and I think I sent it to you guys mm-hmm. um it's about um, Julia severals who died during one of these trainings, like one of the ones that I went to. Um, I, I didn't go to the one that where she died, but she died a year before I joined. So um, she died of dehydration in the desert, and like it's really scary because had I known that she had died, I would have, I would have totally not, you know, joined a cult. And in that article,
1: was it saying that she was just, was doing one of their trainings? And when you're saying like one of those things, what, what did that entail besides doing yoga moves? Can you talk at all about what those were like?
0: So the, the training that, um, Julia died during was when they were like going in this, on this hike, um, through the, through the desert in Sedona. And, um, and they just like, they just push you beyond your breaking point. I mean that's part that's part of what's really culty about them because they just they just push you to the point where um you you're susceptible to being brainwashed and and you start to like have basically like neurological symptoms or symptoms of dehydration where you just feel so weak and then like I I don't know like the physiology of like physically and mentally breaking you down so that you can feel like you're being I don't know, for lack of a better word, like saved by the cult. And one of the, one of the specific exercises that I remember doing in, in Sedona um, where Julia died was they had all of us lie down side by side in these really shallow graves um, that were already, yeah, that were already like dug. It was in the desert, like, so it was really sunny, but they had, and then they like you had like a partner and your partner would drape this like black veil over your body and over your face and they'd be like you're dead now like what do you imagine what do you imagine people say about you now that you're dead and you and look at look at everything in your life that you haven't accomplished like look at everything that you like. So it was like it was really intense. But but yeah, this is something that they do with all sorts of people. Some people who had who were like cancer survivors, and I mean that's the other thing about about Don um, that like most of the people in the cult were like professionals like middle-aged professionals mm-hmm. or students um so i remember some of the other people were um like there were a couple irs agents wow <laughs> they also would remind us periodically like don't look at the bad reviews online <laughs> because um you know the bad reviews are they're all lies and those are people who um those are people who just like have it out for us or something and and then also like, if someone left, we weren't allowed to talk to them anymore. Um, and we were like threatened with like, not being allowed back. So basically like excommunication. If you were still, like, we were always warned, like don't talk to people who have left because they'll um, they'll distract you and, uh, and pull you off your path, like your path of enlightenment. This is sounding more and more like the UCB every minute. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, well. I don't know. We probably didn't have as much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's also uh, some, We
2: didn't have
1: any fun either. No. Did you, were there people in the group that like you felt parental towards? Like what? Cause I feel like if I was, whenever I'm in groups like that, there's some people that I'm like, Oh, this one is really, we really connect and they're the one I'm going to be just like her or him. And we're going to connect. Like sometimes that, I feel like those are sort of touchstones that keep people involved in these cults.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I had one friend who, who was also a student and she was like a few years older than I was. And I really felt like she was kind of an older sister. Mm -hmm. Um, so times that I, times that I wanted to, that I thought about leaving, um, you know, I talked to her about it and she would convince me to stay. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I I should also mention that, um, you know, the, the sleep deprivation was like another tactic that they used to really break you down. Um, so I was like, required to go there at five in the morning to do bowing exercises and and then teach classes and then I'd go to like I'd go to my you know I was still in college so I was like doing that at five in the morning then running the class at the college and then working you know my minimum wage like food service job or whatever I had at the time and then after that I would come back to the center and I would um you know, I would teach another class and then I would help clean like on my hands and knees. Yeah. Like they had us like clean the whole studio like every night. And sometimes I'd be there till midnight. And so I was getting like maybe three hours of sleep and giving them all my money. Yeah. So the sleep deprivation also definitely contributed to staying because I just, you know, I was just brainwashed. Another weird thing is like they would find local organizations for us to volunteer with. So for example they they once found this um this conserve this like wildlife conservation group and they sent us out into the woods to to like cut down ivy from trees cuz like the invasive ivy pulls trees mm-hmm. down so they like volunteered us as like this mm. free like group of people to try to save the forest from the ivy oh, and God. we were out there for 8 hours they were getting paid for that
2: but you were i bet you
0: May- probably i don't know yeah. and and we were out there for like Eight hours, and um, and then we would get home, and and like we'd have to cook like our own food and stuff, or we we get back to the place that we were staying and have to cook our own food together. And they also like had us do like other really physically strenuous exercises, like holding our arms up above our heads for like an oh, hour. F- and f- then every time one of us would drop our arms, then we'd have to start over again. So it like seeded f- this like resentment of that one person, and it was just really unhealthy. Um, so, like, around that time is when I, like, kind of reached my breaking point because they they told me that I couldn't be, like, one foot in and one foot out. Like, I remember Master Kim, that was her name, um, like, sitting down with me and saying, like, you you can't be doing, like, one foot in, one foot out. You, you have to commit fully. Um, and she was, like, telling me that I needed to, like, move into like the master's house and trained to be a master. Cause I, mm-hmm. it, she could tell that like, I wasn't entire, like a hundred percent committed. And um, I was about to graduate from college. And I was like, I have all these student loans. There's no way I'm going to be able to pay off my student loans being, you know, a martial arts instructor. <laughs> yeah. Um. And, but it was like, it was really, it was really scary because It's like, I've already lost my family, you know, being a homeless teenager. So I'm going to be losing my family a second time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, this time it was my choice, I guess, is the the main difference. And I'm sure you want to put that off
1: as long as possible. You're like, I don't want to recreate this. This was such a painful time in my life. And then, you know, there's sort of, again, it's like another unhealthy group of people forcing you to make that decision. Whenever I've left, left something like in a very controlling atmosphere, I felt very insecure for a while afterwards. I felt like very nervous or I felt like very unsure of myself or second guessing. Did you, when you left, what actions did you take to get out? And then how was that after?
0: Yeah. So I was really fortunate because I left at the same time as two of my best friends Mm. and we kind of formed this impromptu um, support group for each other and i think that without that it would have been so much harder because i i got all of these i got i got inundated with like calls and text messages and emails and stuff like to come back from other members and other like instructors and stuff and a third person was like my best friend and i i remember like call like answering her call and only her call and she um she said like you should come back you're you you've put in so much work so she was kind of like I don't know if they'd given her a script or something, but she was like, Playing into the what is the um sunk cost fallacy, she was like, mm-hmm. You've put in so much work and you're just walking away from it, and you should really like listen to your soul and stuff and I was like, My soul tells me that I need to not be in a cult, and I think you should leave too, yeah, gotta
2: go <laughs>
0: <laughs> and she said well i I can't be your friend anymore, like I can't talk to you if you're going to leave, so it was just yeah, it was like this form of excommunication, like yeah, and I was just like losing all of these people that I had really intense relationships with, mm-hmm. you know, because we had like done things together, like pretended we had died and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, done these really intense physical exercises where it felt like we were going to die, like to the point that I was like seeing like spots and stuff. So like, you know, they just really pushed us to our breaking point mm. um, and past that. And I just keep thinking about Julia several's and like, you know, she literally was pushed to her death and um it could have been me. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember, so my, my body was still programmed. Like I still had like the muscle memory of waking up every morning to do bowing exercises at five in the morning and, and all these other things. And um, so I'd, I wake up before dawn and then I just be like lying in bed, like, well, I don't want to do bowing exercises. Cause I'm trying to just like basically quit this drug cold Turkey. Like <laughs> it, that's what it really felt like. Yeah. And so instead, I started watching like reruns of Oprah's show on YouTube as like a DIY rehab. <laughs> That's how you do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Oprah will get you out of that cult. It felt like Oprah was the only person that I could trust. And like, Maybe Oprah she is, though. I don't
1: YouTube. think you're wrong. I think Oprah is the mm-hmm. only person all of us can trust.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, how old were you when you left? I was 24, 25. And Let's you- see. It would have been yeah um I graduated in twenty ten so okay.
1: and so what did you what was your next step after graduating college and occult in within like a year oh of each other
0: um well, I might get a lot of hate mail for this, but i uh, so i graduated during i graduated in twenty ten which was still during the two thousand and eight recession like there were just mm-hmm. no jobs, and yeah. um I applied for hundreds of jobs, and the only thing i got a call back about was AmeriCorps and Mm -hmm. like I said I Mm -hmm. might get a lot of hate mail about this but AmeriCorps is horrible and they exploit (laughs) really oh yeah they exploit people's altruism um that might be a whole other episode
2: (laughs) I didn't know this
0: yeah they um so you're given a living stipend and in in a major city it's not enough to to live on it was like it's taxed and I think after taxes, it was like about a thousand dollars. And, um, that's not enough to pay rent. And then also like, I had to be at three different campuses. So I I had to have a car, um, because it was a city long story short, within six months, I was homeless again. (laughs) no! Yeah. And I, I mean, like all of the people that I like, actually two other people in my cohort were also, also became homeless during their AmeriCorps term. So It was basically like if you didn't have parents or a wealthy boyfriend or something to Mm -hmm. live with, then, you know, you became homeless during AmeriCorps. And it was really ironic because we, like my group, my cohort, we were tasked with helping um, first-generation students and like refugee students access Mm -hmm. college. And most of the students that we were helping were actually like better off financially than we were. Mm -hmm. So
1: You're like, can I crash on your couch? while I help you, <laughs> help yeah, me, let me yeah. help you.
0: <laughs> and I mean, a lot, I've been criticized, like, I mean, when I've written or talked about my my criticisms of AmeriCorps, I've been told that I was, that I'm like really naive, um, or that I was really naive, that I should have known what I was signing up for. Um, but I, I don't know. I,
1: <laughs> You're 24 years old.
0: <laughs> yeah, in our orientation, they gave they told us how to sign up for food stamps. And most of the other people in there had never had food stamps before. And that was like, that should have been like the red flag. Like, this is not for me. I need to keep job searching no matter how desperate I am. Mm. And like, oh, they also make you sign a contract that you won't work a second job. Mm. So you can't supplement the thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. What are they hoping they're going to get out of this? Like, how are they keeping people employed? They give free labor to nonprofits, basically. Mm. And it's kind of like this. I don't know. It's like some sort of like um, PR washing thing for the American government. I don't know. Mm. So yeah, but, um, and then if you quit early, then that means that you forfeit, because at the end you get, I think it's like a $5,000 scholarship. And if you have to quit early for any reason, even if it's like a medical reason, because one other person in the group got, had a car accident and she had to leave early and she didn't get her like, um, scholarship because of that oh gosh
2: um so you were also a child actor
0: um so yeah so I was also a, a child actor until well until my mom ran away with us basically until I was 10 um and I was mostly in commercials um like I did a power wheels commercial hmm. when I was about I think I was like six um and I kind of got typecast as the as the kid who got along well with animals and dogs. So I was like <laughs> constantly cast in all of these commercials where there was like a golden like retreat. Animals running around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of dogs. So they were like, get the girl who likes the dogs. <laughs> That's so insane. That that might be another scam in like, in my life as well.
2: Commercial acting is a 100% a fucking child scam, acting. trust me. Oh, someone, totally. Someone who's done it for 10 years, it's a scam. Oh, yeah. Yes,
0: you know, my my parents spent all the money that I earned. So, <gasps> like, the Coogan Act, um, you know, is the law that protects child actors from their parents basically spending everything that they make. Um, and, but that's only, that, that law only exists in California, California. Um, I might get this wrong, California, New York, I think Louisiana and New Mexico. And so um, like we technically lived in Arizona and my parents like never, even though I was eligible, like I was union eligible for the Screen Actors Guild, like they never got me my SAG card, even though I could have had that. So like I had like no oversight basically. And yeah. um I, I was like in Target commercials and Power Wheels and like a Mattel commercial and a bank commercial, ironically. Yes. Um, and, and then I think I was in like this one, well, I was only in a couple of scenes, but there was like this um, Hallmark, like Lifetime type movie where I was supposed to cry about my dad leaving my family, like in a divorce um movie or something and I and I remember having so much trouble with that scene I I think I was like eight years old at the time and I was supposed to look straight into the camera and like start crying and say daddy please don't leave oh, but it's so I, hard for child but I couldn't get it because I remember I was like I don't like my dad I want him to leave I can't <laughs> I can't get into character <laughs> you're like how fast so, can he leave <laughs> Yeah. So I ended up like just imagining um, my dog like running away and being sad about that instead.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Uh That's incredible. Well, do you have anything? How do you feel now? Like I know you've you said you've done therapy. You've, I don't, I feel terrible. I don't want this to be an episode to like spiral you down to like the terrible memories of everything. We don't
2: want to re-traumatize no, you. No, but,
1: no, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. How, um, how have you now looked at it? Maybe you can offer advice to any listeners going through this of like how to sort of, I, I think there's this idea and that a lot of, we've talked about this even in our last episode about how like when you are conned, when you're involved in a scam or involved in a cult, it's very hard to break yourself away because then it believes that you were duped in this sense or you were susceptible to these lies. So is there is there anything that you have said to yourself or that helped you get that freedom to just be like, yeah, this wasn't, I wasn't in the right mind and I was duped and this wasn't a true reality at the time that has helped you like move forward?
0: Yeah, um, well, actually, you know, exercising at home during the pandemic has Cause I, I really have not gone to any yoga classes or mm, like mm-hmm. cycling classes at all in like the last decade because out of fear, really mm, like yes. um my husband will invite me or used to, you know, before the pandemic would like invite me to a yoga class and I would get dressed and everything and get ready to go out the door. And then I would just have a panic attack right before leaving mm, because I, I feel like I can't. I can't trust I know this sounds this sounds so weird and stupid, but no, I can't, can't open myself up again mm-hmm. yeah i i I can't trust an exercise instructor, whether it's like um you know a cycling instructor or a yoga instructor or um you know some sort of like weight training, like as much as I want to go to those classes because sometimes you meet really nice friends and you mm-hmm. have fun like I'm just so scared of being. again and I don't know yeah I don't know exactly what make what made me vulnerable before and I'm worried I'm going to miss some sort of warning sign again Mm. um so like exercising at home during the pandemic and kind of like doing remote exercise classes has really healed me in a weird Mm. way from my paranoia about exercise instructors if that makes sense yeah it does Mm. so I mean a lot of people will say that Peloton is kind of culty and I won't disagree with that with that assessment, but I have to say, I love, I might be saying her name, her last name wrong, but Tunde, um, Oya, Oya I, oh my gosh, I, I'm probably butchering her name, but, um, but Tunde, the instructor on Peloton, like she's just, she just exudes like joy and has like the best playlists and like, is just so fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I love that you can turn her Yay. off. That's what I love about this. I'm like, and then exactly. I can turn you off
1: and go exactly. back to my real
0: life. I don't have to worry about like someone guilt tripping me and telling me I have the spine of a 60 year old.
2: So rude! How dare she spine shame me? We you? will
0: tell you on while you do not.
1: <laughs> no,
2: you have a beautiful spine. <laughs> <It's> okay, <perfect. laughs> yes, it's holding you up, and that's all it needs to do.
1: Right? Oh,
0: that's all it needs to do. All scamwell listeners have, like, great spines. All of our like, listeners yes. have
1: the cutest, hottest, sexiest little spines that are, like, doing <laughs> such a what? good job. We teach people to have backbones on the show, okay? Yeah. Yes. And they have sexy back. They're sexual. Mine might be curved because I have scoliosis, but it is fine.
2: <laughs>
3: it is It is fine. beautiful. It's doing
2: yes. great. <laughs> yes.
0: Um, Sabra, thank you so much thank for you sharing so much, Sabra,
2: your tumultuous life with us and yeah
0: thank you I hope to someday get my memoir published because there's there's a lot more weird adventures to talk about
1: well we are here for it we are here for it and yeah and if you people can find your writing online you've written some incredible things
0: yeah what's your website oh thanks um yeah my website is my name sabra s-a-b-r-a com. And, um, and then my Twitter, I'm, I'm more active on Twitter than I think most other platforms. So mm-hmm. it's at Sabra M, Then my middle initial M is in Mary Boyd. That's amazing. So- and did you want us to get your
1: dad? Yeah. <laughs> you get Circling back. W- should our listeners go get him?
2: <laughs> should they get him?
0: Let me get back to you on that. Cause I. <laughs> I'm working on it right now. And yeah, hopefully something will come of that. (laughs) She might get them
2: herself, guys,
1: before this episode even comes out. You don't know.
0: I will update you, though. You'll be the first (laughs) to know. (laughs) Yes, please. All right. Well, thank you so much. And let me know if you have any follow-up questions. Of course. All right. Thank you. We appreciate it. Bye. 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 Thank you. Guys, thank
1: you so much for listening to this very special episode. And thank you, Sabra, for being an amazing guest.
2: Thank you, Sabra, for unveiling your heart and being the victim of scams so that you can tell us about them.
1: Mm-hmm. We we appreciate it. And our listeners, anybody going through that, just know you're not alone. And also, you can get out. It feels like you can't, but you can She did. Look at her. She, yeah. She had a beautiful apartment. We're here to tell apartment. you. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, we just Zoomed. Her apartment's Gorgeous. gorgeous. And uh, she can get out of that. You can too. And And we love you.
2: You also feel like you are a scam magnet. Um, and you want to help other people, feel free to email us at scammoipodcast at gmail.com. And if you have any scams or any updates, you can always call us on our Hot Tip
1: Hotline because you know I love a phone call at 347-509-9414. And guys, a butter painting update. I did have a listener DM me and asked me to see a picture of the butter. I sent it to her. So if you want to see <laughs> the butter painting hell yeah, listener, you're my new BFF, and I'll send you paintings of butter forever.
2: (laughs) And we did put the link to where you can get your own reproduction in the show. And I emailed them and said, just so you know, you're in my
1: podcast. And (laughs) you should sponsor us.
2: Yeah. They were very, very sweet. They're
1: like, the art, we will tell the artist, you know, not written clearly or understand, it was clearly a translation, but we will tell the artist, and he is very proud. And I was like, I'm (laughs) so glad. My sister's getting a painting from them. Just keep buying stuff from them guys they're yes. amazing Support
2: them um and if you want to listen to back episodes want to get on our patreon all that stuff oh there's a new patreon episode out i made my husband tell me about nfts even though he's confident he does not know anything about nfts our baby what is was an on nft it. a non-fungible token it's like cryptocurrency it's very confusing oh, your baby was on it yeah he did some oh, gentle I cooing still did this patreon without telling me she's like a patreon's up and i'm so excited because katie had done all the patreons for months because i've been incapacitated so i just wanted you to do surprise, what do. surprise her with one it was fun all right we love you thanks so much for listening we love you and thank you kate thank you kate yes and we will see you all next week okay bye, bye.